Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Monday episode for the beginning of week four. First of all, I am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. Uh, whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the podcast, either way, we really appreciate your support. Joining us uh, on our Monday, as he normally does, our Monday co-host, as well as my good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing good, Karsten. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, we're happy to uh, have you as always, and we're going to go ahead and uh, get started, I, I suppose. I don't know if we really have much else to... We were just talking before we recorded that we don't really have much else. <laughs> we don't have any exciting updates from our lives at the moment. We're pretty much in the you know, standard routine of things at this point, I suppose. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, and waste no more time. Then we'll get into uh, since it's our first show after a weekend, we'll do our five on five drill specifically. But we'll recap the weekend's action, and we'll also get you our key news uh, broken down here in just a moment. All right, again, with our five on five drill, we focus on five of the kind of most pivotal or some of the most pivotal games from the weekend and why it's actually going to kick it off uh, today with a game from Friday night. That's right, Carson. I'm going to be talking about the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. The Mavericks had a bit of a slow start in that game and the Clippers led for most of the first quarter but then after that it was all Mavericks full steam ahead they ended up winning and had a pretty commanding lead most of the final three quarters of that game leading by as much as 32 late in the third so they ended up with the victory 144 to 126 uh, Mavericks favor they really kind of killed the Clippers from the three-point line Mavericks shooting 45% versus a measly 30 in the Clippers staff. So good job, Mavericks, with your with your uh, three-point shooting. Let's look at their top players in these games here. First on the Clippers, we had a uh, good showing by Kawhi Leonard with leading with 26 points. And outside of that, it was a little bit... Sad. I don't know. Island had a decent night, 17 points. And then Westbrook and Harden both had 14. And then also in double digits, we had Terrence Mann, uh, Musa Diab- Diabate, Diabetes. Uh, di- uh, <laughs> di- Diabete, I think, maybe. Diabete. Yeah, Musa, anyway. I'm not sure. And then uh, Avika Zubak had 12, so... Uh, great. Uh, James Harden shot two for three from the three-point land, and Kawhi Leonard was two for four. And uh, outside of that, we had some, you know, obviously Zubak pulled down most of the boards. Him and Musa, they had eight and nine respectively. So, hats off to them. And Bones Highland had six assists. So, good job, Bones. Going over to the Mavericks, we had um, 
hold on here. Luka Doncic leading with a mere 44 points. Good job. <laughs> so a stellar night for him. He also pulled down six boards, had six assists, got a steal, and only one turnover. So great job for a guy who, you know, handles the ball a lot for the Mavericks. He was six out of nine for three points, uh, three-point attempts. And so he obviously contributed to that good percentage and the aired in the Mavericks' favor uh, during Friday's contest. Uh, Other impressive showings was Kyrie Irving had 27 points. So just in our first two examples here, we can see the the big difference between the Mavericks and Clippers and uh, how Mm -hmm. uh, how this game resulted. He had 44 points and then 27 points, and then they also have Tim Hardaway Jr. with 17 and Derek Jones Jr. with 11. So uh, Kyrie Irving, back to him, he also had three rebounds, uh, or sorry, six rebounds, three assists, and uh, two steals, but also contributed two turnovers, and he was five for nine from the three-point range. So uh, pretty stellar for him, too, shooting six for six for free throws. So nice job. Uh, outside of that, uh, J- Jaden Hardy also was in double-digit scoring with 11. And uh, I failed to mention him with Derek Jones. Derek Jones had 10 boards, so he played strong. Uh, actually, only one block on the entire uh, uh, Mavericks team, and that was Derek Lively who got that, so... Good job, Derek Lively, and only two for the Clippers. Which yeah, was, I was gonna say I just went back up to check that. Yeah, we're Zubak, so kind of a, a lack of shot blocks in that game, but that's all right. Still entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the big grouping there. We of course. For the Clippers, there's still a lot of potential there that we would expect to see some more out of. And, you know, Paul George only had eight points. You know, Harden and Westbrook were in double digits, but barely. And, you know, all of these are uh, former All-Stars and All-Stars at that. So, Hmm. uh, you know, at one point in their career. So, you know, they're an interesting team. We'll see what happens with them. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, not to spoil anything, but I have been considering the the Clippers for a, a conversation on Wednesday's show as far as our weekly predictions. Um, but I did want to touch on the Mavericks more specifically. You know, I was curious looking at this box score because obviously Luca and Kyrie kind of carried the offensive load. And so mm-hmm. I was looking at their stats so far the season as a team, like everyone's averages on the team. And <clears throat> this game was kind of a microcosm of their averages this season. So far this year, Luca's averaging about 32, a little bit less than he had in this game. Uh, Kyrie averaging about 23. Tim Hardaway Jr. averaging about 17, which he did have exactly 17 in this game. And then Grant Williams averaging 11 points. Outside of those four guys, no one's averaging more than about nine a game, which isn't terribly uncommon i wouldn't think but you know maybe some concerns with having such an offensive workload on those two guys i mean absolutely 
just kind of my my thoughts there. Of course, they're they're one of the top teams in the league right now. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth with our power rankings, but just something to consider in general, but also as we move into that conversation later on. But for now, let me go ahead and jump into the next game from Friday. And uh, by the way, I didn't have neither of us had a chance to mention with that first game. The same goes for the second game. These were uh, games from the in-season tournament night, the group play night. So um, <clears throat> definitely a valuable win for the Mavericks to get and a valuable win also for the second team, the Los Angeles Lakers, who won in Phoenix against the Suns. 122 to 119 valuable for the Lakers in a couple senses, of course, the in-season tournament standings, but also just them uh, getting some, you know, another win early. They've struggled a bit at times. They're kind of, you know, hit or miss five and five, I believe at this point that we're recording it. Um, But regardless, a great win. And especially after an early scare, looked like LeBron might've got injured was more just kind of a, you know, he got banged up a bit uh, running into Durant, ended up finishing the game. Um, and as far as the flow of the game, the Suns actually controlled most of it. Uh, all the second and third quarter, they held the the uh, the advantage. The Lakers took a lead in the fourth again, and then they were able to close the game out from that point. Looking at the box scores for the Suns, Kevin Durant again, 38 points, nine boards and five assists. Uh, four of six from three-point range, even though he was below 50% from the floor. You know, with the hit-or-miss nature of Booker and Beal up to this point, just with both of them dealing with injuries, Durant has really had to shoulder a heavy workload, and uh, much was the same for Friday night. Although Bradley Beal did play in this one, uh, 24 points for him, four boards, two assists, and two steals. Um two of four from three. Those two guys, very good outside of them. They just need a little bit more production. Uh, you know, they got 14 points, nine boards and seven assists from Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's, he's been very solid in, in many ways, but he's let down in some other ways for the Suns. but he played solidly that night. Uh, Eric Gordon with 13 points off the bench. And then they also got 11 points from 11 points from Ketabates Diop, who actually started in that game. No Booker. Um, and I don't think we've seen all three of those guys on the floor at once uh, up to this point in the season, which is definitely a, a big factor for them having some early struggles. Um, but yeah, the Lakers, LeBron, 32 points, 11 boards, six assists, a steal and a block. He hit three of four of his three point attempts. I mean, he's just. He just keeps doing what he does, I suppose, uh, and Wyatt is definitely here to see it. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> 19 points and nine assists. Uh, oh, of three from three-point range, but still a nice game all, all round. 18 points, 11 boards for Anthony Davis. 17 points for Cam Reddish starting in that game, and he was actually five of eight from three. Definitely a nice game for him. And then 15 points off the bench for Austin Reeves. Curious why he came off the bench this game kind of seemed like he had solidified his spot in the starting lineup. But um, regardless, yeah, the Lakers just a little bit more well-balanced. LeBron able to out-duel Durant as they finally meet up. I want to say this was their – no, that was the at the season opener. So this was their second meeting in a few years, I suppose. But, you know, good to see those two guys dueling again. 
and uh, the Lakers come out on top in this one. So those are our two Friday games. Wyatt, I'll send it back to you for our, uh, I believe, our lone Saturday game we're going to focus on. All right. Yeah, I, I just wanted to bring up with Austin Reeves. I don't know if you saw the uh, – there was like a clip on he like had fallen kind of by some girls on the bench or was like flirting with them or something. And oh, then really? afterward he pulled out like some crazy like a couple like crazy like Kobe-esque moves. Oh, and of course. It was there were just a lot of comments on like, <laughs> him. Well, uh, I, I... He, all I needed was some some flirting from the bench or something to turn him in. Yeah, I I feel like I saw a similar thing maybe last season or the season prior where he kind of ran into, you know, loose ball or whatever, kind of fell into the crowd a little bit on like some girls or whatever. And they had a reaction. And then right after that, same thing. um, Yeah. Like a small meme almost with kind of how it happened. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely funny. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, with the uh, the Saturday game. All right. Yeah. So we're going to look at the Bucks and the Magic. And, you know, surprisingly, you know, at the start of the season, you definitely expect the Bucks to get this win, but they, they uh, lost 97 to 112. Uh, and when you look at the box score, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to what you talked about with the Suns. Like you have Giannis who is bearing like all of the workload, like 35 points from Giannis. And outside of that, like Cameron Payne had 14, Bobby Portis had 13, uh, Chris Middleton with 10, Brooke Lopez with nine. You know, it's it's just kind of yeah sparse, I guess, outside of Giannis. And, you know, they, they had some decent three-point shooting. Like Middleton was two for four, Brooke Lopez was two for five. Cameron Crane was two for three and Bobby Porter's two for five. So you have some, you have guys which can, you know, spread the floor and knock down the, the three point jumper. But um, I don't know. It's not working as well as they, they need it to obviously because uh, they're the outside of Giannis, the scoring is kind of disappointing. So mm-hmm. we'll have to figure out a way to, I guess the Bucks will have to figure out a way to kind of increase the the offensive load or you know spread it out a little bit more at least the offensive load. Uh but outside of that Chris Middleton and Giannis both uh shared the ball well with seven assists. Uh Giannis had 10 rebounds and Bobby had seven. So good performances there. And then if we hop over to our friends in Orlando they had a very like even night, like a lot of contributing. Uh, Paulo Banchero, Banchero, he led with twenty six points, and then Franz Franz Wagner with twenty four, and Jalen Suggs with twenty. So all of these guys contributing, uh, you know, in the twenty point range, and then Jonathan Isaac had ten, and then Moritz Wagner right there with Franz. Uh, he had 19 points. So you had, you know, five guys in double digits and four of them right around 20 points. So it's 
it's uh it's kind of nice when you know that burden offensively is is shared by so many different people uh and then you know both Wagner's Moritz and Franz had pretty good f- field goal percentages Moritz was seven for nine and Franz was eight for 16 so you know they're shooting efficiently which is always something that you know contributes and from the free throw uh line they also shot well uh 85 and 80 percent although not as well as Cole Anthony who was four for four so props to Cole Anthony uh and then as far as our blocks go Jonathan Isaac had two and again he's the only one with blocks and I will give the Bucks some credit there. They had several blocks. They had one a uh, total of six blocks during that contest. So I just like to see lots of blocks because I think it's entertaining and fun. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the Magic's had a great showing. Uh, Paulo Bancaro also pulled down twelve rebounds, and then Goga Batazzi had nine. So great job there. Paulo also had five assists along with Jinglin Joe Ingles, who is a former Jazz Nation fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we go over to the game charts, it kind of looked similar to the Mavericks and Clippers, where at the very start, Milwaukee led, you know, for about a quarter, but never, never led by very much. And then after that, the rest of the game was dominated by the the magic they didn't get as far ahead of the bucks as the mavericks did to the clippers they only led by 21 but still pretty significant considering you know what the strength of these teams looked like going into the season yeah so, absolutely yeah, I, I thought it was impressive for sure well and how about the bucks shooting below 50% from the free throw line as a team I mean that's pretty yeah forty eight percent. I mean, you know, yeah. we know that we know that Giannis struggles from the free throw line, and he accounted for about half of their free throw attempts. But you would think guys would be knocking down enough to at least bring it up to you know sixty seventy percent. Um, but Brooke Lopez one of two, Jay Crowder one of two, Marjan Beauchamp one of three. Connaughton, one of two, you know, and then also the, so a lot of those same guys, uh, Beasley, O of three from three point range, Beauchamp, O of two, Connaughton missed his three point attempt. And it, you know, you talked about there were guys that were shooting well from three, and some of them were kind of the guys you'd least expect to shoot as well from three. But yeah, just odd. And especially zero points from a guy like Beasley starting that game is definitely going to hurt your chances. Bad. So, and of and course, played 20 minutes. Yeah. On the know, floor a lot. <laughs> yeah. On the floor a lot. Just couldn't get it, get the offense going. And of course, no Lillard in this game. And that's, it's similar to the Suns, kind of like what you were talking about a bit is just, you know, getting the stars all on the floor and also produ- producing while they're on the floor. So definitely a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk, of course, about the Bucks a little more in detail with our power rankings, but uh, let me go ahead and get us started with our two Sunday games. And this one similar in nature, a um, little different, but um, 
a, a bit of an underdog story in a regular season game as much as you can have that the Houston Rockets winning at home against the defending champion the Detroit Nug- or the Detroit the Denver Nuggets the Detroit Nuggets um that would be, <laughs> that would be interesting no sorry the Denver Nuggets uh 107 to 104 uh Houston wins that game a bit closer than our our Orlando and Milwaukee game but uh and it's interesting looking at this one because uh, Denver held the bigger leads and and most of the lead uh, up through the th- the first three quarters of the game, and then Houston, you know, took their biggest lead of the game in the fourth quarter, and then the Nuggets were never able to quite respond after that. Um, pretty impressive win for the Rockets. Let's look at the scores for the Nuggets first, and we'll start, of course, with the Joker because he. Um, He's amazing. Even when they lose, you know, here's the stat line for you. 36 points, 21 rebounds and 11 assists. Um, Weak. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're telling me you couldn't get 40, but um, yeah. in all seriousness, though, I mean, he's, he's amazing. And for them to lose a game where he has that kind of production, it just, you know, it's a tiny bit concerning. I think it more goes to show the importance of Jamal Murray as a co-star as he still works to recover from uh, that injury. I believe it was a hamstring uh, injury. Um, they did get 25 and 10, uh, 10 boards and 25 points out of Michael Porter Jr. So that was some pretty good production to go alongside Jokic. They got 16 points from Aaron Gordon with eight boards. And then they got 14 points for Reggie Jackson starting in place of Murray. Um Outside of that, uh, no one scored more than six. There was only three other guys who scored in the game. So that was definitely a detriment. Meanwhile, for the Rockets, a little more spread out. Uh, Fred Van Vliet leading them in scoring with 26 points. Uh, They had 23 points, eight boards, five assists, two blocks, and a steal from Alperen Shangun. Again, I kind of feel like, I, I can't remember if I voiced this at one point, whether it was a prediction kind of thing or not, but I feel like, Shangun is almost a higher ceiling player, at least for me when I compare him to like a Jokic type guy or, you know, a Jokic very light, but still that potential for an all around game versus a guy like Jalen Green, more of an offensive threat and not as stellar in the all around game. Um, Green in this game, nine points, eight boards, five assists, um, one of 13 from the floor, which is pretty dreadful. Um, they got 10 points from Dylan Brooks, eight points from Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, and then off the bench, 15 points from the veteran Jeff Green. So kind of impressive that they're able to get the win out of some some weaker production from a, a lot of key players. Um, you know, credit Jeff Green and Shane Goon and Van Vliet. Those three guys really kind of carry in their weight. Um, neither team shot particularly well from the floor, but the Rockets just sort of shot better and had <laughs> a nicer fourth quarter. And so they were able to come out with the win, but they've been an impressive team to start the season. And again, we'll talk about them in a moment um, with our power rankings. But uh, with that, that's kind of all I had to say about it. Why maybe you have some other thoughts, but otherwise uh, you can kind of take away our, our take it away with our last game. All right. Yeah. Let's hop over to, uh, another game on Sunday, the Timberwolves and the Warriors. The Timberwolves edged out the Warriors, winning one sixteen to one ten. 
and it was uh, a little bit more back and forth than the other games I've covered. The you know they went back and forth for about half the first half of the game, and then from there on out it was Timberwolves, uh, and they led by as much as sixteen to end the third or to end the third start the fourth quarter. So uh, that was an impressive. An impressive feat, no doubt. They're two very good teams, and um, and they're competing at a, at a high level right now. So, good job to both of them. Well, I have more to say about them on the power rankings as well. So, I'll leave that till then. But as far as uh kind of their stats go, the uh Timberwolves which this may come as a surprise to no one, but they had six blocks compared to the Warriors zero, which if, you know, <laughs> wonder why that's the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, you have Rudy Gobert who got five and uh, I'm, I'm just guessing Carl Anthony Towns got the other one, but I haven't, we'll, we'll discuss that in just a second. Uh, and otherwise, you know, it's decently uh, even as far as general stats go. You know, three-point percentage was actually a little bit higher with the Wolves than it was with the Warriors, which is, uh, you know, something that you might not expect given the Warriors' history and their personnel. Um, but let's go and look at the box score. So our top, uh, top contributors on the victorious team, Anthony Edwards led with 33 points. And then Carl Anthony Towns had 21. Jaden had 13. Uh, Nikkeli Alexander-Walker and Naj Reed both had 10. Nikhil. So, Nikhil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that is how you would say that. <laughs> I thought the I was on the other side of the L for a second. Oh, Nikhil yeah. Alexander-Walker had 10. Uh, so, you know, pretty decent uh, spread of offensive load there which, you know, we always like to see. And, yes, Carl Anthony Towns was the other block. Mm-hmm. So uh, one block for him and five for Rudy Gobert. So great job, Rudy. I know was, last year it was a little bit, you know, there were some some doubts for sure as to how that trade would play out. And, you know, having Rudy and Carl Anthony Towns – and you know it was kind of a there was an adjustment period but it seems like this season they're working things out pretty well uh carl anthony towns also pulled down 14 boards and Goberga had 10 so that's sweet carl anthony towns was 8 for 14 from the field and anthony edwards was 11 for 27 he shot a abysmal one for nine from the three point uh arc but you know he made up for it with free throws shooting 10 for 10 so great job anthony edwards um other significant stats you know we had four offensive rebounds pulled down by rudy gobert which is something that you know it's not as high as the eight that we saw like three times in one night last year that was just that just kept proving me uh wrong because i was like wow eight offensive rebounds I that's that. crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, four four offensive rebounds in in one night is pretty impressive. So, I think Gobert had a a pretty stellar night after you know struggling off and on 
during his time in Minnesota. Uh, and then hopping over to the Warriors, we had obviously Stephen Curry led with 38 points. And then Clay Thompson had 16, Dario Saric with 11, and Jonathan Kaminga with 10. Uh, Draymond Green was close to double digits with nine. And Chris Paul only had two. So, are they old? I don't know. but <laughs> <laughs> Very likely they are. Uh, but Stephen Curry still going strong. Um, mm. He was five for 13 from the three-point arc. So, uh, you know, not a great percentage, only 38.5%. But, you know, obviously he's still... Uh, you know, led offensively, so that counts for something. He ha- also had three assists and got five rebounds, but also had five turnovers. Uh, Draymond Green got nine boards, and Dario Saric had ten. So they uh kind of got protected the glass here for the Warriors. And then if we look over at um, Clay Thompson, who you know was the second. Highest score. He was three for ten from three point, um, three point shooting, and so he was just a little bit lower than Steph, shooting thirty percent. And then he also got five rebounds and dished three assists. They both had a steal, and Clay Thompson only had one turnover, so he protected the ball a little bit better. But also, you know, he handles the ball significantly less than Steph does. Uh, and that's about all I have to say about the the Warriors. You know, kind of another example of a team that the offense so far has largely been shouldered by one person. And, uh, you know, kind of the theme tonight is when that's the case, you don't win. You know, we mm. have several amazing teams, but you got to have more than one guy that that uh, is going to lead the way and get the buckets. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. But you also have to look at, you know, the percentages, I think, were a factor. Um, I mean, even as you said, Curry made the most and was the leading scorer, but even he didn't shoot as well as we've seen, you know, in the past. Yeah, Um, definitely. I think it's interesting to note you take in this game in particular, Wiggins, Kaminga, Chris Paul and Moses Moody, those four guys shot a combined O of 11 from three point range. And uh, they, as a team shot about 28% from three and they lost by six points. So, you know, it's definitely a tough loss, but it's had a terrible night. (laughs) Yeah. They shot terribly, but they, I mean, I don't think that you, you write that off as a team either. You know, it's it's not like, oh, well, we'll shoot better most nights. I mean, yeah, you have the confidence as a shooter, but you definitely figure out, okay, well, what else do we need to work on? Maybe it's the quality of shots we're getting or um, conditioning or whatever it is, you know. I mean, you mentioned the age thing. Sure. That's definitely a concern, I suppose, um, especially a guy like Chris Paul, who's probably in the last couple of seasons of his career at this point or last few seasons. Curry is in his, you know, early to mid thirties at this point, um, Clay's getting older. I mean, they're all getting older. Draymond's been showing the gray in his beard for a few years now. And so 
it's concerning. Um, and we'll, again, we'll talk this team. And as we've mentioned, a lot of other teams, hopefully a little more in detail with our power rankings, but overall, yeah, great win for, for Minnesota. Yeah. Great, great week for them. And uh, that takes care of our, our five on five drill real quick. I'll run through some, some side notes. I'll kind of just summarize the other games. We didn't quite have a chance to talk about uh, firstly from Friday, all your other in season tournament games, uh, Hornets beat the Wizards. That was an East Group B. Uh, Sixers beat the Pistons. That's East Group A. Celtics beat the Nets. Uh, group C. Timberwolves beat the Spurs. That's West Group C. The Jazz. They got a win. They beat the Grizzlies, one twenty-seven to one twenty-one, uh, overcoming Desmond Baines' thirty-seven points and potentially with some help from the referees. The Jazz. <laughs> um, <laughs> We, we won't deny that, but uh, they they are one and zero in the in season tournament so far. So we're definitely stoked about that here on the podcast. Um, that's West Group A, by the Woo-hoo. way. Uh, the Rockets beat the Pelicans. That's West B. Uh, Mavericks. Uh, no, that's the one we talked about. That was West Group B. And then Kings beat the Thunder. That was West C. And then that Lakers Suns game that was West A as well. So that's all your kind of. Wrap up real quick for the in-season tournament. A couple of st- uh, statistical standouts uh, from that Hornets-Wizards game. Mark Williams did record 21 points and 24 rebounds in the loss in Washington against the Wizards. I know Wyatt's excited about that. He just barely picked up Mark Williams Woo-hoo. for his fantasy team. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, for the for the Grizzlies, the Jazz overcome overcame Desmond Bain, 37 points for him. Uh, and then for the Kings in their win, they got a uh, triple double from Demonis Sabonis, 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 13 assists. Um, real quick, the Saturday games we didn't talk about three games. The Boston Celtics won at home against the Toronto Raptors, 117 to 94. The Mi- Miami Heat won on the road in Atlanta against the Hawks, 117 to 109. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers won in Golden State against the Warriors, 118 to 110. Uh, so actually Saturday, Sunday was back-to-back losses at home for the Warriors. Definitely concerning there. And then on Sunday, a bunch of games. Knicks won at home against the Hornets. The Nets won at home against the Wizards. The Grizzlies beat the Clippers in Los Angeles. The 76ers won at home against the Indiana Pacers. And definitely a standout performance here. We maybe could have talked about this game too. But Tyrese Maxey with 50 points seven rebounds and five assists with that 50 point game. He became the second youngest player in 76ers history to score 50. The youngest to do it was why any guesses? Well, I guess you might've read this already, but if you haven't read it, what's your guess? <laughs> I did read it. Oh, uh, you did. One of your it. favorites. Yeah. Well, one of many people's yeah. favorites. He, he's, <laughs> Alan he's, Iverson. Allen Iverson. <laughs> he, he's kind of a player's player. If that makes sense, you know, like everybody loves Allen Iverson, but um, yeah, elite company there for the young Tyrese Maxey. Definitely exciting to see that for the Sixers. Um, and then we also had the Miami heat winning in San Antonio against the Spurs, the Dallas Mavericks winning in new Orleans against the Pelicans, the Chicago bulls winning at home against the Detroit Pistons, the Oklahoma city thunder winning in Phoenix against the suns. And then finally the Los Angeles Lakers winning at home against the Portland trailblazers overcoming 15 points and 12 assists from Skylar Mays who had just uh, gotten a new nice contract. We'll talk about that with our key news. And that is a perfect opportunity to segue us into our key news here for just a second. We don't have a ton of items, um, some transactions, and then some uh, injury updates mainly. 
Firstly, uh, for the Denver Nuggets, head coach Michael Malone and the Nuggets, they've agreed to a contract extension. There's no specifics about um, length or dollar amount, but reports are that it will make him one of the highest paid coaches in the NBA, which is only fair. He's a championship winning coach at this point. So congratulations to him for that. Uh, On the flip side of that, a head coach losing money. Uh, Memphis head coach Taylor Jenkins fined $25,000 for criticizing the officiating following Friday's loss versus the Utah Jazz. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the clip, uh, you know, he, he uses some some language, but he his his criticizing. He, it's like the, you know, the with a smile on his face, but clearly very livid, like the way he <laughs> delivers it is fantastic if you don't mind the language i definitely recommend listening to that clip but uh regardless yeah there was a lot of uh complaints with that game again we're jazz fans we will uh we'll take the win i suppose um yeah the trans <laughs> the the one transaction or i guess a couple transactions that were kind of a you know a pair here from this weekend uh for the trailblazers we mentioned skylar mays he was originally on a two-way contract but they converted him slash re-signed him to a more a standard contract. Um, and in his place, they signed uh, guard Jamari Buyea, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, to a two-way contract. So they now have a full 15 guys plus the three two-way contract guys uh, on their roster with that move. And then some injury updates. And there's a lot of unfun stuff. I mean, the injury updates are never really fun, but definitely some tough ones here. Firstly, for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, forward Kelly Oubre Jr. is out with a broken rib and injuries to his hip and right leg after he was actually uh, struck by a vehicle Saturday night. Um, From what I saw, it was, you know, someone kind of in a rush to get somewhere, struck him and then uh, fled the scene. Um, He was admitted to the hospital, was released a few hours later. Uh, kind of walked out on his own. So injuries definitely not as severe as they could have been, but it's still tough. Reports are he's going to be reevaluated in a week. So definitely tough news there for the Sixers to be without his production. He had a really nice start to the season for them. Um, for the Portland Trailblazers, guard Scoot Henderson is this is more of an update on the injury we'd maybe already talked about. He'll be out two to three weeks with bone bruising along with the right ankle sprain that was already um, kind of known about, I suppose. For the Washington Wizards, guard DeLon Wright is out until December with a sprained left knee. He's going to be reevaluated in three weeks for that injury. For the Milwaukee Bucks, forward Jay Crowder to undergo surgery on a left abductor and abdominal tear. He'll be sidelined for eight weeks. So a lot of longer term, you know, guys going to be kind of sidelined with injuries. All four of these guys, we definitely want to wish them the best as they work to recover from these injuries. And then finally, a little more positive note here, uh, NBA general news, uh, our players of the week for this past week, Joel Embiid and Anthony Edwards named the NBA's player of the week, players of the week in the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. So definitely uh, well-deserved. Congratulations, both those guys. And they'll be big uh, candidates for our weekly MVP a little bit later on in the show. But with that, that takes care of our summaries and our news. Let's now go ahead and jump into our power rankings. Power rankings. All 
All right. We had, as we kind of mentioned last week, we thought this could be the case. A bunch of movement on uh, both of our accounts, some teams moving big, uh, either up or down. Uh, A handful of teams staying in their same spot, but um, I'll go ahead and kind of just jump things off here. On my end, let's actually do my top 10 first. Uh, At 10, I actually had the Sacramento Kings jump up a spot, swapping with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They both just kind of swap places there. Warriors fell down to nine. They fell five spots, and the Indiana Pacers jumped 10 spots, which might be the most I've ever moved a team in one week of the power rankings. Um, They were 18th last week. They're now eighth. And I think I might've had them 18th last week, just because I wasn't uh, fully paying attention to what the team was doing. I mean, they were three and three at that point. And looking back, they maybe could have been higher. Of course, hindsight is 2020 sometimes, but (laughs) um, up to eight, they're one of the top teams in the East at the moment. They've been playing very well, and they have a top player that we'll talk about with another segment in just a moment. Uh, Miami Heat move up as well. They moved up six spots for me to number seven. I have the Bucks falling three spots to number six. They fall out of the top five for the first time this season. Moving up into the top five uh, to replace the Warriors and the Bucks, we have the Dallas Mavericks moving up a spot to fifth, and the Minnesota Timberwolves moving up to fourth. Uh, and they were also up four spots coincidentally. And then the Philadelphia 76ers move up two spots to number three and the Celtics stay number one, the Nuggets stay number two. That might upset some people. I think you could definitely make an easy case to move the Sixers up to number one based on their impressive winning streak and the Celtics, you know, going 500 in the week. I see that. I think I just personally want to see it for a little longer. I want to see another week or so of the Sixers dominating for them to really kind of usurp the Celtics and Nuggets and take that top spot. But they've been very impressive. That's really my my top 10. Outside of that, the Lakers fell out of the top 10. They fell to 12. They fell five spots. Same for the Suns. They fell five spots to 14. Um Teams big up on the move. Knicks up six spots. Rockets up seven. Thunder up five. Rockets were four and zero, oh, and they're actually they've won their last six games. To, they're now currently six and three. You could maybe argue them higher, but um, regardless, Pelicans fell eight spots. Uh, Clippers fell seven. The uh, Spurs fell five. Some small jostling at the bottom. I have the Pistons now ranked as my my worst team. The Grizzlies just above them as the second worst team. Um, kind of jumping around a lot of places. The Clippers have lost their last, I want to say their last five, certainly their last four. Definitely concerning there. But that's a quick look at my power rankings. Why I'm curious to hear kind of your talking points on where you agree, where we differ, maybe some teams you want to hone in on specifically if you have any. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, of course, we differ like we did last week. I have the Nuggets one and the Celtics two. Um, and then I also have the 76ers three. And I would I would echo your uh, uh, sentiment that I am still kind of like, I wouldn't call it a fluke necessarily, but I, I do. I kind of feel like, you know, it, it's still a little bit early to really move them higher than three. I even am kind of like eh, three really like, are they that high? 
but you know you can't argue with the impressive record um mm. so far um four uh so they're still in my top five um and then maverick the mavericks are still in fifth which i had them there last week as well um i also had the timberwolves move up though not as far as you they're still not in my top five uh other big movers you know the the heat moved six they moved up six with their four and a week last week uh the warriors and lakers both fell three but they're both still in the top 10 uh, and then the Suns just got edged out to 11th, uh, falling three spots over the last week. Other big movers, I had the Pacers also move up significantly. They moved up six spots, and the Knicks moved up seven. Uh, and they are now 12th and 13th on my list. And the Rockets moved up seven, uh, up to 16th, which kind of bizarre. Like Looking back at week one, they were 25th on my uh rank so you know and honestly like you mentioned you could very much argue that they should be higher they're fourth in the west right now and you know the only reason they're not higher on my on my uh power rankings is probably just that that bias on what i expected going into the season and what i still kind of feel like is going to turn out uh with the season going forward but as of right now, I would, you know, there's every argument to be made that they are higher than a, you know, 16th ranked team. So Pelicans fell hard for me. They fell nine spots, uh, that which was the greatest uh, decrease this week. Uh, and then the Grizzlies close behind them dropping six after dropping 13 the week before. So they have about hit the bottom. Um, mm. So, yeah, those are kind of my big big uh news items there. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to touch a little bit on the Pelicans. Um and qual- qualify some of that with the injury situation. Um they're without Trey Murphy the 3rd who is some casual fans might not know him as well. I mean, he's a third year guy at this point I want to say. Um he's not a starter. He starts sometimes, but he's more just a, a, a great role player, one of the big guys off the bench. Um, athleticism, some defense, some threes, kind of similar to Herb Jones in some ways. Um, but losing that production, they're without CJ McCollum right now with the uh, the collapsed lung. Jose Alvarado has been iffy with an ankle, even though they have Zion back. And, of course, that was a big talking point, him being back and the Pelicans being good. They're without three key rotation guys, including a a former all-star and a starting guard, you know, so there's definitely some, some things to consider there, but they've also just struggled. You know, I've seen some fans complain about Zion online as far as not being sold on his star, you know, star ability as a player, I suppose. Um, But yeah, definitely concerning. We'd definitely like to see them get some wins over the next week or two. If they continue to struggle over the next couple of weeks, then I think you start really raising the alarm bells for what's going on in New Orleans, I suppose. But uh, injury is definitely worth considering. Um, and then why I'm trying to remember, of course, we said there was like five or six different teams. We talk about more in detail um, with our game summaries. What was another team that we maybe should focus on real quick 
with our, our power rankings here or that you would want to talk about a little more in detail? Um, well, I mean, the, the Clippers are definitely, you know, one that I kind of mentioned mm-hmm. They're you know, they're sitting at 18th right now, pretty low considering the star power they have there. So I, I, you know, I think that those would be ones to a team to watch closely and, you know, mm. see what sort of changes they make there. And, and they were one that I mentioned earlier because, uh, actually I'm going to, I'm going to delay this sentiment until our, uh, next segment. So, okay. Yeah. Fair I will, enough. I will chat about that in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't blame you. I just want to real quick touch on the, maybe some stats for the Clippers for the season. Um, this is, well, actually, let's do. Let me see if I can find that. Um, well, maybe not. Let me just do season stats because that's what I have pulled up. Uh, Paul George averaging twenty three points on the season. Kawhi Leonard averaging twenty one. Westbrook averaging about fifteen. Harden averaging about thirteen and a half in his four games so far with the Clippers. Um, and then you have Zubats, Powell, and Highland in double figures off the bench. There's enough scoring to make that work still, but you would just maybe like to see a little bit higher scoring from from some of the other starters. Um, Harden actually hasn't shot terribly from the floor. So I don't know. I, I'm with you with the concerns, but it's also maybe similar to the Pelicans where we give it a little more time to evaluate it a little bit mm-hmm. more in detail, but uh, definitely something to watch for but uh you know what you mentioned our next segment i think i'm going to try and use that as the best segue that i can let's go ahead and move on from our power rankings to our next segment our defcon levels we are at defcon one defcon Defcon levels all right so this week wyatt has actually picked three items either a player or a team to talk about to give me an a, a you know scenario and i will respond with you know my defcon level where I, how you know seriously i think people should consider that and then why i have two for wyatt um and if you didn't listen last week um this is a little more in-depth kind of idea of how that works so let's say a scenario is Okay, what is the DEFCON level on Nikola Jokic's chances to win MVP this season? And I give that to Wyatt. Wyatt would respond with a variety one. of... Yeah, he would probably respond DEFCON 1. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the, the DEFCON term, it's a military-type term, and basically the lower numbers are more severe. If you're a DEFCON level 1, it's red alert, be fully advised, um, you know, be aware kind of a thing. And then working all the way up to five, there's five different levels. If it's a level five, it's don't worry. We're at, you know, a neutral situation. Everything's under control kind of a thing. So we're adapting it for our purposes here. Why I'm going to let you start. And uh, if I didn't explain it that well, hopefully the audience will pick up a little bit as we start the segment. But again, why it has the three he'll start and end the segment. Let's hear your first one. All right. So, uh, Picking up on the Clippers, so James Harden was recently, you know, a little bit criticized or you know provided some some uh, constructive criticism by Teron Liu, the Clippers coach, 
and he, you know, kind of talked about how, you know, Harden needs to be kind of shouldering a little bit more of the offensive workload and, you know, he needs to get into a little bit better shape to kind of maybe fit into that role a little bit better. And pre in previous years, I, you know, we've kind of seen Harden, you know, kind of get a little angry and request things and kind of pout and get his way over and over and over again. But what, what's on, what is the DEFCON level of Harden, uh, answering the call so to speak and returning to a near or all-star level player this season interesting i i was kind of thinking as you're talking about it this would have been a really extreme take was the defcon level on harden requesting a trade <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that that's kind of the other end of this spectrum which i i considered but I, I want to yeah. be optimistic because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And it usually takes about, you know, a year or so before he gets tired of the situation. Yeah. Um, That's a good one. The DEFCON level on him returning to like an all-star caliber, which is funny because, you know, even though he didn't make the all-star team last year, I felt like he played at an all-star level, led the league in assists. He was averaging about 20 points a game. He played well. Um, obviously, he's below both of those types of numbers so far with the Clippers. Um, I'm going to say four. That sounds harsh. I <laughs> no, That's fair. Just because a few reasons, you know, they have obviously three other all-star type guys that we've talked about. They have a little more of the the offensive threats off the bench in some senses compared to the Sixers. I mean, thinking about last year's Sixers, you had off the bench, you know, like D'Anthony Melton, um, Shake Milton, um, Danny Green. You know, I, there's guys that can get points off the bench. But when you think of the Clippers, you know, they have Norman Powell and Bones Highland. Those are guys a little more you know, ready to score coming off the bench in a sense, you know, get them the ball. They'll, they'll ISO or whatever it is. So they'll, they'll figure out a way to score. So the, the star power, the bench scoring aspect of it, and just the underwhelming start and him getting older, that's maybe four reasons loosely for me to just say DEFCON four, you yeah. know, there's a chance I think he could still play well. And I think obviously those those four guys are some of the great players of our generation at various points in recent or not as recent history, but they've been, you know, they're great players. And so you shouldn't be surprised if Harden gets back to an all-star type level. He is a little bit older, but I don't necessarily see it happening. So I'm going to say DEFCON 4. I like it. Yeah, what what would you say on that one? I I'd concur. I was I was thinking four or five. So, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so it's an interesting one, but we're both kind of not not as sold on that one. But yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Let me go ahead and give you one. And I wrote these down. I told why I needed to write them down to make sure I get the wording correct. Um, you know, we didn't talk about them as much with our power rankings. The Phoenix Suns, of course, we we talked a bit about the the struggles with consistency. 
they're missing star players for a lot of the games, you know, Beal or Booker, um, Durant shouldering a workload. The bench hasn't looked as bad as maybe you you might worry, but they they may be not as complete as you'd like. Um, a stacked Western Conference. What is your DEFCON level on the Suns getting stuck in the play-in tournament at season's end, being in the 7 through 10 rank in the Western Conference at the end of the season? Hmm. That's interesting. Let me go ahead and I... double check the standings to give people some perspective on where we're at. They're currently they're... ninth in the West with a four okay. and six record. Um I I'm gonna give it like I wanna give it like a two. Wow. He's yeah, he's going in on this one. Just cause you know, and and obviously, like, it's probably not, you know, to have that low of a number, it's probably not the s- smartest, I guess. Like, if it were a betting scenario, because just because of how specific, uh, you know, this the positioning is, you know, like only what two two teams from each conference are in a playing uh game, so <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's pretty f- limited. It- it's four per four, conference. I guess. Yeah, four conference. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a smaller section, but based on their start and the injury history so far this season, I think it's fairly likely that they will not end up in the top eight. Um, so well, which is why I gave it a two. Right. Or six, you know. Yeah, yeah, top six, I was just going to say. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I, it is, you know, worth... Obviously, we've mentioned some trepidation about some of the guys that are ahead of them or some of the teams that are ahead of them at the moment. <clears throat> you know, teams like the Mavericks, um, maybe even the Timberwolves kind of out outplaying their, their talent a bit. The Rockets, of course. So there's that to consider. But I would... I'd maybe put it at a three. You know, I think there's it's kind of here or there. Could happen, couldn't happen. Um, definitely interesting right. to think about, though. But, uh, yeah, let's hear what you yeah, got next. Sure. Okay, my next one is focused around Zion Williamson, who, uh, you know, I mentioned I wanted to save this also for a later later discussion when we we're talking about the Pelicans game. Uh, so Zion obviously has had a injury riddled history and what is the, what is the DEFCON level of Zion (laughs) enduring the entire season without a, uh, you know, without a big injury. So call it a, you know, missing at most, you know, 10 days, it's week and a half, two weeks. Can we quantify that in games? Like, let's say, um, I mean, because there's plenty of guys that will miss, you know, I mean, your star player that's allotted as consistent will play like 70 of a total of 82 possible games, you know. So can we say 65 right. games, which I think is a cutoff for the awards, right? 
Um, he plays at least okay. 65 games this season. Sure. Um, yeah. In that case, I because he hasn't done that in any of his four prior seasons, one of which he didn't play at all. Um, right. The, the DEFCON level that he does or doesn't? That he does. That he does. Uh, I'm going to have to just be realistic. Uh, you know, I hope that he does, but I'm, I'll say, I'll say DEFCON five. I mean, he just doesn't have the history. Oh. And I, I feel bad saying Ouchie. that because, <laughs> you know, he's only 23 years old, which is wild. Yeah. I think if he doesn't get there this season, I think he can get there. You know, I was thinking about this the other day and this is kind of unrelated, but remember the conversation around Joel Embiid in like, 2016 about the fact that he was never healthy and that he was a bust and that he was never going to be a great player. Do you remember those days? Yeah, vaguely. And then when <laughs> he, when he finally got on the floor for his rookie season, he had a stellar rookie year and then he went on to become an NBA MVP. So I'm not saying that Zion is going to do that same thing. I will say that Zion has been an all-star twice the second one, maybe you argue whether he should have gotten that one, but that's besides the point. You know, he's he's been great when he's been on the floor, and he's not as electric this season, but this season, just to be safe, I'm going to say DEFCON 5 on him playing the 65 games, but if we're talking him, you know, avoiding big injury bugs for the most part over the next three or four years, I'd put that more like DEFCON four or three because i feel like he could start to just build a little more positive momentum in that way but for that scenario for the time being i'll say defcon five all right i get it is a little harsh though yeah i mean but yeah i would totally agree the the history is just not in his favor yeah the best for sure predictor of future performance or whatever right (laughs) right yeah absolutely um Okay, let me go ahead and give you this one. As I just saw the, um, I know this isn't an NFL podcast, but I personally am a Bills fan. It looks like they somehow lost. Fantastic. Okay. Um, So (laughs) here's my next one. Um, Tyrese Halliburton. He's been off to a great start, as have the Pacers. We didn't talk as much about them, but they're, I believe they're six and four. I want to say top four in the East at the moment. if I remember correctly there, they last time I looked, they were in like the top five in offensive rating. Um, he's leading the league in assists per game average. What is your DEFCON level on Tyrese Halliburton making an all NBA team at the end of the season? Uh, hmm. And remember, there's three all NBA teams. So he has six spots potentially because there's two guards on each team. Right. I'm going to give him a three. Mm, interesting. Which, yeah. Kind of middle ground because I'm going to say two, but I said two on the last one. And then mm-hmm. I was, there's also a lot of good guards out there. 
you know, but that's not to take away from him, you know, leading and assists and just stellar performances. Our uh, buddy Connor, who has him on his fantasy team, is just like slaying with Halliburton. Like he's just has ridiculous, has had some ridiculous games uh, with mm. crazy high scoring. So, uh, you know, because he's been playing some great basketball. So, uh, combine, you know, that his stellar all around numbers so far with his, mm-hmm. uh, you know, leading in the assists per game, which is, you know, traditionally kind of what you want from a guard. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a three on that. Interesting. Aware, but not no. too aware. Well, it's funny you say that because if it was my scenario, you'd given me that. I might have, I would have at least gone two, and I might have considered going one just because I, I love, the, the way they've started that he's played in particular, and, you know, I I like to see the Pacers do well, so I yeah I would have gone with that, but uh, yeah, Wyatt, go ahead and take it no, away. Let's fair. hear let's hear this uh, last scenario you got for me. Okay, Chris Paul, uh, and you know this might be the first potentially multi-season DefCon level we've had here, but what's the uh, DefCon level on Chris Paul retiring, ringless? That's some. Uh, I I don't know. That feels it's not. It feels rude to Chris Paul in some sort of way, but the DEFCON level on him retiring ringless. Um, you know, I'm going to go with a two just because something about Chris Paul reminds me of a, you know, if you want to go back to NFL, like a Dan Marino, but NBA, like a, a Stockton, a Malone, a, a Reggie Miller, a guy who's just been great, but the stars just never lined up. I mean, he gets to mm-hmm. the Warriors, you know, potentially a few years late. He was on the Rockets with Harden and they had it. They were legitimate Western Conference contender. And then they kind of lay an egg and they shoot poor from three in a couple of key games. You know, they were, he was on the Clippers who were a, a top team in the West at that time. And they just consistently got injured in the playoffs or they, they had poor playoff performances. It just feels like for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out and it, it, there's not much that's going to change. I mean, Phoenix, they were in the finals. Like that was going to be the moment and they they run into Giannis having maybe one of the best final series in in recent memory. It's just hard to uh, you know sometimes shake fate if you want to be a little dramatic there. Um, I'm gonna say DefCon two just because I don't know something. It just just feels like it's not gonna happen. It could happen, and he's a Hall of Fame player, one of the top point guards of all time, regardless of a championship or not. You know, I get tired of that narrative a little bit where it's like, well, he didn't win a championship, so not an right, all-time yeah. great player. But, um, yeah, I'm going to say DEFCON 2. I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
Okay. I I like it. What would what would you have I would, said? I would concur. Yeah, I would have said, you know, one or two probably. Gotcha. I don't see it happening this year. And, you know, I don't know what would change in the remaining handful of years he might have left. Hmm. I mean, yeah, unless he like gets bought out and then ends up going to like the the bench. I mean, because he's kind of on the bench for the Warriors at the moment. He goes to the bench right, of yeah. like the the Celtics or the the Nuggets or whoever's. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I think it seems like overall our DEFCON levels this week, we definitely went a little more towards the extremes, either not going to happen or definitely has a great chance of happening. So kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, definitely we'll, we'll be doing this every Monday. Um, this is already becoming one of my favorite segments. I don't know if I, if why it feels the same, but I feel like it's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. So um, well, let's also move to one of my other favorite segments um, and a Monday staple. We had it all of last season as well. Let's go ahead and start the conversation for our weekly MVP for week three. Weekly MVP. Okay, if you haven't heard our spiel for weekly MVP, basically we pick uh, about 10 candidates every week and we pick them based on of course, their individual statistical performances, you know, points per game, rebounds, assists, all those kind of things that we like to see. But also, uh, was the team winning during that span? We picked players with winning records. And we have, I guess, an advanced stat. We have plus minus. Um, but for the most part, we're we're pretty traditional. We're pretty old school as far as stats and things of that nature. I'll go ahead and read you our candidates for our week three MVP. We have Joel Embiid. Nicole Jokic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Edwards, Kyrie Irving, Bam Adebayo, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle. We actually have, it looks like, three different pairs from three different teams. Um, Doncic and Irving from the Mavericks, Embiid and Maxey from the Sixers, and then Barrett and Randle from the Knicks. Otherwise, we have Edwards from the Timberwolves. We have Adebayo from the Heat, Gilgis Alexander from the Thunder, and Jokic from the Nuggets. So most of the top teams this past week are represented here. Um, we mentioned last week that we didn't really have as clear of a standout, but we ended up uh, awarding to, awarding it to the Joker, Nicole Jokic, who is, again, a top candidate here. But I think he has uh, some clear competition, some guys definitely standing out. Wyatt, who is maybe a guy that jumps out to you looking at this? Yeah, two guys that jump out to me uh, immediately are the Joker once again and Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I think they both had very impressive weeks, uh, you know, not to not to discount anyone else for sure um but they had impressive numbers joker with his uh you know 35 points and 16 boards you know he's tied for second on our points he leads in boards on our list here leads in assists on our list he you know only had 
So, you know, not even a, his uh, assist ratio was over three, three to one. Almost a steal and a half, a block per game, and, uh, you know, good field goal percentage, three point and free throw might act a little bit, but, you know, not bad either, sitting at 25 and 74%. And then Maxi with, uh, again, an eight to one, so even better assist to turnover ratio. Uh, impressive scoring with 31 and a half points, almost six boards, and almost two blocks as a guard. So, uh, you know, that's awesome for him. And he also, you know, not quite as good field goal percentage, but almost 40% from the three-point line and 93 from the free-throw line. So impressive stat lines from both of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, is it bad if I already say I kind of have my pick? Mm, yes, that it that would be bad. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, um, who is it? I'm gonna go with Maxi because he four and zero. I think is big, and of course Embiid a big factor in that as well. Coming off of a fifty, a 50 point game, the assist to turnover ratio you mentioned was stellar across four games. That's a pretty solid sample size. The defensive numbers were almost, they're pretty much on par with Embiid, maybe just a, a notch better in a sense. You know, I mean, the, like you said, 1.8 blocks for a guard is stellar. The percentages were great all around. I mean, nearly 50, 40, 90, just a half percent off from three point range from being 50, 40, 90, plus 10 in the plus minus category. It's a complete stat line, you know, and uh, there's a lot of complete stat lines this week, but I don't know. He just stands out the most. He feels like what the weekly MVP is all about. And especially with the start that he's had to this season and the start that the Sixers have had to me, that feels like a very, you know, appropriate pick, but I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. No, I, I agree. No, and compared to my other standout, Jokic, uh, you know, he played one more game and was undefeated. Mm-hmm. He, you know, didn't score as much, but was still, you know, obviously a high score. And like you said, 50 coming off a 50 point game. Obviously, mm-hmm. the boards were uh, significantly lower um, than the Jokers. Which you know, obviously, credit to the Joker for that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, assists were very close, and his ratio was better. Um, and you know, same on the steals, he got more blocks than Joker, and significantly better percentages and uh, three point and free throw with the field goal pretty close. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would definitely. <clears throat> Uh, agree that Maxi would be my pick compared to Joker this week. Though, okay, you know, obviously a great week for Joker as well, like always. Right. I don't know. Was there anyone else that you wanted to to highlight that we should match Maxi up against? Or I don't know. They might be a bit early, but I feel like he's a a pretty solid choice. <laughs> yeah, I I don't really have any. And also the other thing with the Joker is he missed some key free throws at the end of one of the games this week. I mean, they still ended mm-hmm. up winning, but it was one of those where he missed both 
and it was like they were up by you know two i think and it, or three and it would have put them up you know it would have basically solidified the game and he missed both and mm. his free throw percentage wasn't that great so you know there are things like that that you know you got to come through for those things yeah and that's another note of of these 10 guys maxi did have the highest free throw percentage so again yeah it just it just felt like a very complete stat line not really any any holes um at any point so i don't know it's early but do you think we should go ahead and uh lock that in i do okay uh i definitely won't complain of course it was i i kind of had the the first say on that one i suppose but uh final answer why uh maxi t okay <laughs> <laughs> Maxi comma Tyrese. Okay. Maxi comma Tyrese. Let me go uh, ahead. Philadelphia. PHI instead of PhD. Yes. Let me go ahead and write that in for Where's us real quick. Track? Come on. <laughs> um, let me see what the closest I can find to a laugh track is. Um, Are you kidding me? There you go. There's your laugh track. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> Doc, Doc Rivers is not very impressed. He's not amused. He's not amused. How about this one? Does this, does this one work? Oh, yeah! Is that better? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I like that better. That's a little more... Uh, a little more encouraging. Little more positive. Okay, yeah. fair enough. But there we go. We've written it in. We've confirmed it. I'll show it to Wyatt real quick here if I can get it in the... Uh, the camera number three week three Tyrese Maxi Maxi I'm just gonna start saying that now because I love me (laughs) some some goofy um easily the best Disney character in my opinion but congratulations Tyrese Maxi well deserved standout week and especially coming off we mentioned a 50 point game he's been stellar the Sixers have been stellar certainly well deserved so Tyrese not sure when you're playing the jazz. Uh, if you're out here in Utah against the jazz and you want to stop by, accept the award. We definitely appreciate you coming by. We'd love to, to see you. We'll get a picture, all that good stuff. So uh, congratulations to him. And with that, let's go ahead and real quick run through our weekly forecast. We'll get you ready for this week's upcoming games. There's a ton of games going on. We have two different nights of group play for the in-season tournament. So there's plenty of, uh, games to pay attention to. We'll start on Tuesday. And again, just to remind you, all of the times that I will list for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you plan your schedule. We'll start on Tuesday. No national broadcast. So all of these games would be on League Pass. And we start with uh, three games at seven o'clock. Firstly, the 76ers hosting the Indiana Pacers. And then also the Pistons hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Both of those games are in East Group A. We also have the Hornets hosting the Heat, a division matchup, but also uh, a Group B, East Group B matchup as well. At 7.30, two games. Oklahoma City Thunder hosts the San Antonio Spurs. That's West Group C. And then the the Nets host the Magic. That's East Group C. At 8 o'clock, the Pelicans host the Mavericks, West B. At 9 o'clock, the Jazz hosts their first in-season tournament game against the Portland Trailblazers. That's West Group A. And then two games at 10 o'clock. 
the Warriors host the Timberwolves uh, for West C. And then also the Nuggets host the Clippers for West B. And then finally at 1030, the Lakers host the Grizzlies for West A. So we start with most of the East group games, and then we end with most of the West group games there. Um, Again, more teams making their uh, home debuts in the tournament, the Pelicans and the Jazz and the Lakers debuting their in-season tournament courts. Uh, The Jazz, I think, have the best look of all of those but I'm definitely not biased there. Uh, otherwise, yeah, 10 games from a Tuesday night. On Wednesday, we have eight games. Two of those are a national broadcast uh, slate, an ESPN doubleheader. At 7.30, the 76ers are hosting the Boston Celtics. That is a, a fantastic matchup to watch out for. The two top teams in the Eastern Conference battling it out. That'll be a real test of our power rankings, see which team is actually better. And then at 10 o'clock, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Sacramento Kings, two of the teams we had projected to be in the top group of the West that have struggled early, which of those can get the win and start getting a little bit more on track. Uh, as far as your remaining games for Wednesday, we have the Washington Wizards hosting the uh, Dallas Mavericks at 7. At 7.30, we have the Raptors hosting the Bucks and also the Hawks hosting the Knicks. At 8 o'clock, the Bulls host the Orlando Magic. At 9 o'clock, the Minnesota Timberwolves travel to Phoenix to face the Suns. And then at 10 o'clock, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in Portland to face off against the Trailblazers. On Thursday, we only have two games. They're both national broadcasts and NBA TV doubleheader. Firstly, at 7.30, the Miami Heat host the Brooklyn Nets. And then at 10 o'clock, the Oklahoma City Thunder travel to Golden State to face off against the Warriors. And then finally on Friday, we have 11 games and it's a group play night once again. There is an ESPN doubleheader for two of those group play games. Firstly at 7.30, the San Antonio Spurs will host the Sacramento Kings for West Group C action. And then at 10 o'clock, the Utah Jazz will host the Phoenix Suns. That's West Group A. Uh, So interesting matchups there. And then the remaining group play games from Friday night at seven o'clock, the wizards will host the Knicks for East B and also in East B the Hornets will host the Milwaukee bucks at seven 30. The Raptors will host the Celtics for East group C. And then also at seven 30, the Cleveland Cavaliers will host the Detroit Pistons. excuse me, the Detroit Pistons. That's East group a, and then also at seven 30 as well, the uh, Atlanta Hawks host the Philadelphia 76ers. That's East group a, Two games at 8 o'clock, the Denver Nuggets travel to New Orleans to face off against the Pelicans, West Group B. Uh, The Orlando Magic are in Chicago against the Bulls, East Group C. At 10 o'clock, the Portland Trailblazers host the Los Angeles Lakers. That's West A. And then finally at 10.30, the LA Clippers host the Houston Rockets. That's West B. Okay, I feel like the the West C, you know, East (laughs) B, that kind of clutters the the weekly forecast a little bit but um tons of action to talk about for me a standout as i mentioned definitely the wednesday doubleheader i feel like both of those games are really great wyatt is there another game that maybe jumps out to you that you're looking forward to yeah i mean you mentioned on tuesday the pacers playing in philadelphia uh, hmm. which is you know a good one to watch out for i i'm interested in the clippers at uh the nuggets that same day just to see because I'm, I'm waiting for the clippers to break out you know mm. um and so i i'm always kind of a little interested to see when that will happen uh and then 
Um, the other one is. Oh, where is the other one? Oh no, the Timberwolves and Suns. That's the, that's the other one that I was a little bit intrigued by because the Timberwolves obviously are playing kind of above where we had predicted, and the Suns are playing below where they had predicted. So, uh, it'd be it'll be interesting to see them face off and see if the the trend continues or if the Suns will have a little upset here. For sure, yeah, I would agree with those. I think there's tons of great games uh, this week to watch out for, and again. Two nights this week. The last couple of weeks, we've only had the one night of group play action. This week, we've got two nights. So we're going to get well underway. Um, probably it'll be about the halfway point of the, the in-season tournament. So definitely exciting stuff. But um, yeah, that's your weekly uh, your week forecast. Let's go ahead and wrap things up first with our This Day in History fact for you. I actually have two. I cheated a little bit here. The first one is more of just a for fun yeah. one. I mean, they're both kind of for fun, but... We're going to start uh, with one from 1979, November 13th of 1979. While playing center for Philadelphia, Daryl Dawkins shattered a backboard with a slam dunk during the Sixers' 110-103 to loss at Kansas City. Um, let me double-check this here before I mis-nickname uh, Daryl Dawkins here. Oh, Chocolate Thunder, that's the one I was thinking of. I didn't realize if you look up Daryl Dawkins on basketball reference, he's got about a million nicknames. Uh, Chocolate Thunder is the most recognizable, I would say. Double D, Doc, Dr. Dunk, Sir Slam, Zandokan, the Mad Dunker. I'm going to stop right there. These are ridiculous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, yeah, fantastic one. And this was, of course, it was before the breakaway rim. So it's, it was easier to break rims or break backboards, I suppose, in that in that time. But definitely, it still looks impressive. I mean, obviously, Shaq mm-hmm. brought carried the backboard down, but Dawkins shattered the glass. I mean, that's just exciting to see. So, but the a little more serious one. We're going to go to 2010, uh, November 13th of 2010. Minnesota Timberwolves star forward Kevin Love records 31 points and 30 rebounds in a 112 to 103 win over the New York Knicks. Uh, it was the first time since Moses Malone in 1982 that a player had recorded at least 30 points and 30 rebounds in the same game. So definitely impressive company to be in there for Kevin Love. And we forget how dominant he was as a rebounder and uh, a great scorer as well in Minnesota. But uh, yeah, otherwise, that's our, our again, kind of a cheat, our double, bo- our double this day in history fact for you for this week and uh, or for today, rather. And that takes care of our show. Real quick, I'll plug our social media pages for you on both Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Crossover Across Time, pretty straightforward. On Twitter or X, whichever you prefer, you can find us at X Over Across Time. We had to shorten it due to the, uh, I believe, the character limit on the username. On all of those, you can find our link tree, which will link to any of the other social media pages, but we'll also link to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening to it, but if you don't know all the places you can find us, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, RSS.com. So that should take care of everything. Wyatt, any closing thoughts before we wrap up the show? Uh, Just I'm interested to see how our power rankings change again this week. I you know, wouldn't be surprised if we saw more big movement. I wouldn't either. Yeah, it's definitely a hectic 
start to the season. Seems like a lot of seasons are, but this case, this season, especially, uh, especially so. So it'll be exciting to watch. We're going to have a great week of basketball. Otherwise, thank you all again for listening. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday. <laughs>